Welcome to another episode of Stats Stories. I'm Chad Shanks. And I'm Justin Kabatko. And today we're going to dive into the National Football League and talk about how it's no secret that NFL teams are passing the ball more than ever. In fact, it's a trend that's been on the rise for the last 40 years or so with attempts and yards per game this season in particular at all-time highs. But does it work? Is there anything that indicates passing more or passing more efficiently translates to more points and more wins? That's what we're going to try to find out today in episode 15, This Too Shall Pass. All right, so this year's fantasy football drafts were unique in that for the first time, at least since I've been playing fantasy football, maybe in fantasy football history, like the top of the draft boards were not, um, didn't have a running back as the major consensus overall pick. You know, it's a big change from the past. Running backs even fell down the top 10 in place of high volume receivers because with teams slinging the ball around at historic levels, an elite wide receiver brings more overall value than a good running back. So even from a fantasy perspective, it's hard to ignore just how much the league has evolved from a passing standpoint and even how much more so it's evolved in just the in the past few seasons. So to kind of get an idea of how we got to a point to where we are today, where currently uh, in the NFL season, 2016, we just completed week nine, right? Yeah, yep. week, week nine just completed. And as of now, there are five quarterbacks who are averaging over 300 passing yards a game, which when you look back at the history of the NFL, is just insane to think. Of course, it's the middle of the season. Lots could happen. It could go down. But at the moment, five quarterbacks passing for 300 yards. So as we kind of look back at how we got to this point, I, wanna, I got a trivia question for you, Justin. Okay. I'm, I'm sure you're I'm probably... A su- I'm a sucker for trivia. You may you may have actually looked this up, but I, you probably would know off the top of your head. So, can you tell me who was the first quarterback to average over 300 passing yards in a full season? And bonus points if you know the year. Okay, actually, I do know this, and you know why? Because, so I grew up a Steelers fan because I, I was raised near Pittsburgh, but this was actually my favorite team to watch growing up. So this was Dan Fouts of the San Diego Chargers, I believe. That's correct. Do you and know the year? Nineteen. I know he. Nineteen eighty-one, I think. God, you're good. Yes, the first the first instance of a three hundred yard passing season average was Dan Fouts in nineteen eighty-one. All right, can you name the second quarterback to the second instance of three hundred? I was good because I was say I think Fouts did it again next year in the strike yeah. shortened year. Yeah, it was um, Dan Fouts. He did it the first time and then did it the second time. And then as you look on into the annals of history, like uh, Dan Marino did it in 1984, and then Warren Moon was the only one who did it in the entire 1990s. So it was still a pretty rare feat. And then everything kind of changed, and we'll get a little bit more into that. But um, Well, you know, just, hey, just going back to Fouts real quick. So Fouts um, was interesting because... In 1979, Fouts passed for over 4,000 yards, set a new NFL record, and he broke Joe Namath's record, which was set in 67, I believe. But then Fouts broke the record again in 1980. He broke it in 1981, which is what we were just talking about when he averaged over 300 yards passing per game. And then the next year, he averaged like 320 yards passing per game, but it was just a nine-game season because of the strike, so he didn't set a new record. But 
he almost set a new record in four consecutive seasons, which is pretty cool. Yeah, in a time when no one else was doing that. What, why do you think, or do you have any theory why Dan Fouts doesn't get as much love today when you're talking about like greatest quarterbacks is because the Chargers didn't win anything because it wasn't translated to wins? Was, yeah, I think, yeah, I think part of it is their lack of playoff success. Um, I think they only advanced to one AFC championship game. That was versus, I believe, the Bengals in a just a abominable weather conditions. I think it was like minus 13 or something like that. Um, so they never advanced to a Super Bowl, which is part of it, I would, I would think. Um, another thing is, is that like the numbers Fouts put up in their time were absolutely incredible. But looking back at them now... If you don't have that context, you maybe don't fully appreciate them because you're seeing several quarterbacks do each and every year what he used to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was unheard of. It was like um, when Cecil Fielder hit 50 home runs in 1991. Well, we look right. At that so he was the first guy since George Foster, what, like 14 years prior to that. Yeah, we look at it now and we're like, oh well, you know, players hit 50 home runs all the time, but at the time it was no one else was doing it. And like I said, even in what was it uh, 20 years or so after that only two other quarterbacks accomplished it and then we get to the point where we are today where it's an everyday thing and like I said five this season um, and then the last couple seasons Breeze and Roethlisberger seem to be doing it every single year and and so on and so on so you're definitely more of a football historian than I am and um, I I grew up in Houston where my formative years, like my high, junior high and high school years, we didn't have an NFL team. They, they moved to Tennessee. And um, so football wasn't as big of a deal to me as a, as a like teenager whenever you kind of, dev- a lot of people develop that sports love, you know? So for me, like the NFL history was something I had to, had to catch up on. So maybe you can do a better job of illustrating just how different the NFL was then than what it's become now. Okay, so I wasn't really a fan at the time. I was alive, but I was not really a fan at the time. But let's go back to 1977. Joe Ferguson of the Bills led the NFL in passing yards per game. What do you think his average was? And You said 1977? 1977. His average passing yards per game? Correct. All right, so I know from my research that the league average around that time was about like 150 yards per game or so. So I'm going to say he led the league with 180. 200, so you're oh, a little, little short. All right, but I'm not giving Joe Ferguson his, his due. No, but, so let, but let's put that in perspective, okay? Go to last season. Every team's primary starting, starting quarterback, with two exceptions, Averaged at least that many yards per game. The only two teams that did not have a primary starter who averaged 200 yards oh, okay, per get, game. Me, all right, Browns. Oh, you want go ahead. No, the Browns were not. Oh, no, they had McCown. Actually. McCown had, well, who is the Browns' primary quarterback? That's a good question for I every I just did year. it by the guy who started the most games. So I don't know what Brown quarterback started the most games last year. It was probably McCown, I guess. I don't know. Okay, so worst passing last season? Oh, come on. One of the teams is pathetic even today. Whatever team has Sam Bradford, <laughs> the Rams. No, was it the no. Rams? The Rams, but it was Nick Foles who was their primary starter last year. And then the other was Matt Castle, who was the primary starter for the Cowboys last year. He started nine games for them. Okay. but So think about that. Like, you know, 1977, 200 passing yards per game. That makes you the 
the best passer in terms of yards per game in the league, now that's just something any capable quarterback should be able to do. Yeah, it's expected. Uh, yeah, so you look at 40 years ago, the average passing yards per game was about 152 yards a game. And then you just see it slowly increasing. Like 30 years ago, it's 205, 20, 207, 10, 204. So a little bit of difference. And then you jump up to this season and the last couple seasons where it's up to 220, 230. And then this year... I think think you're giving net passing yard figures there. So just... I I used gross passing yards, so we might be giving different numbers here. But I think you're subtracting out the sack yardage, whereas I just looked at gross yards, not net yards. Okay. Yeah, I'm just looking at what comes up when I search on StatMuse for uh, passing yards by season. That's that's what I'm going with. So maybe, yeah. maybe that's a, that's a good uh, distinction to note. Um, but yeah. So as far as the one that I'm looking at for this season, we're at around 250 yards per game average, like for the for the league, which is a hundred yard jump in 40 years. Which that's really significant. Um, can you think of another stat? And this is putting you on that we didn't research this, but can you think of any other comparable offensive stat in any other sport that has had that level of a percentage jump in 30, 40 years? I mean, I can't think. Even like home run rates in baseball have jumped, but not not to that extent, have they? Well, the, but the three point shot in basketball, how about that? The, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. The three. Well, the three point shot didn't exist. No, but even, even but even like did exist, percentage I mean, wise like, of its lifespan, yeah. Well, just like the percentage of shots that were three pointers. I mean, that that's just skyrocketed, especially in the last say five to ten years. Yeah. Well, all right. So let me ask you. So the th- the three point shot was from you know basketball perspective. All the the argument is that it's continuing to increase because of all the analytics nerds who have come up and fe- and I mean that in a good way I mean nerd in a loving way nerd is not a derogatory term anymore I don't think with all the but you also con don't stuff. you don't need to be a genius to figure out that three is yeah. greater than two but still like well they figured out that with the increased difficulty of the shot that it becomes more valuable blah 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 we've already talked about that in other podcasts but so is there an equivalent there in the NFL where you can say well passing yards equals more Points, more efficiency, something like that. Like why? Well, I mean, just think about it. it like, a, what's this, you know, like run the ball, and on average, you might pick up about four yards, right, per attempt. Pass the ball, and you'll probably pick up six, seven yards per attempt. I mean, it's it's kind of the same math as as uh, the basketball three point shot, right? I mean, you're going to if you have a successful uh, quarterback, you're going to do better passing the ball than you will running the ball. Plain and nice. simple. All right, so I was curious about, I was looking up the league's like average points scored per game by year, right? And so I was looking through different stats about that. In 1976, 40 years ago, it was 19.2. Um, and then looking like every 10 years going up, it goes up to 20.5, 20.4, 20. 20.7 in 2006. And then this year, it's up to 23.1. Um, so like, it looks like even as the passing yards increased quite a bit, the last 40 years, it's only been in the last couple season that we've seen like a real significant jump, or maybe you can tell me, am I, am I wrong? Is it jumping from 19.2 points a game to 23.1 
league average is that a significant jump because just saying that's like a 20 percent jump to me that's pretty yeah. significant and so do you is it right to say that this is at is can be attributed to the rise of the passing game absolutely or, because okay so look at this number of plays run where i'm going to call a number of plays being passing play or pass attempts rush attempts and then sacks those those all count as plays right so 1976 the average team ran um, a little under 66 plays per game. This year, it's a little under 65 plays per game. So the number of plays being run is relatively the same, but like the distribution has really changed. So in 76, you're talking about 56% rushes, 44% passes. This year, 40% rushes, 60% passes. So huge change in, yeah, in the distribution. Complete flip-flop. There. Right. Yeah, com- complete flip-flop. And, I mean, it goes back to what I said earlier. I mean, passing plays, on average, are going to get you more yards. More yards are going to get you more points. I think it's just it's just simple math. Yeah, but then there's the, I mean, the degree of, of difficulty has to be taken into account. And so, I think, I don't, this may be veering more into like my giving my opinion on on things it may maybe you have numbers or a more informed opinion to back it up but it seems like now you said like every team like with the exception of two is meeting these min these maximums that other teams were meeting 40 years ago right that what was what dan fouts did that was phenomenal in 1980 is pedestrian at best Today. No, no, no. I would. Well, no. Fouts. I mean, he wouldn't. He would still be a really, really good quarterback, but he wouldn't stand out as an outlier. Like yeah, yeah. All right. Then. Yeah. Maybe I, I, I was being a little too hyperbolic on that. But surprise. So, so, <laughs> that's what I do. I have to. I bring the. I bring the. The the liveness to this. You you keep it down low. I gotta I gotta liven it up with my grossly uninformed hyperbole <laughs> but anyway so i was saying with your muscle tov cocktails yeah that's what i'm that's what i'm throwing that's what i'm throwing baby <laughs> yes i know i said the wrong thing there that's, that's a bad bad <laughs> joke um so there's been a lot of um talk this season about the ratings in the nfl are falling down and some people are trying to attribute that to um Colin Kaepernick is taking a knee, and so people hate the NFL nowadays, which is just the stupidest argument I've, I've ever heard. If a guy protesting a cause like makes you hate the the NFL, all of a sudden you're not. Ne- anyway, we don't need to get in that. That's dumb. That's not a that's a not a real reason. But it could be a very small for, for some. Part. Maybe I mean, for some the, people. But here's but, the thing: like we always want to have one explanation for some sort of trend, whether it be an upward trend or a downward trend. When in reality. There are often many, many factors that go into that change. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, but so the reason I bring it up is because one one of the other main reasons is people are complaining about the quality of play. And a lot of that has to do with the everyone's throwing the ball now. Every team is chunking the ball. But what we've seen that for every Drew Brees and Peyton Manning and stuff like that, you have a handful of Blaine Gabberts and whoever's quarterbacking the Browns this week that simply just can't get it done. So is it a problem that with the success of a few that you have the copycats of every team who are trying to throw the ball 40 and 50 times a year? And in reality, it's really difficult to find 32 guys 
at any given time who can do that well. Do you get what I'm saying? No, I do not. <laughs> what's what's your point? You're what trying I'm to make saying here? is there's a lot of shitty quarterbacks, and they are trying. Every team is trying to throw the ball because you see, well, it works for the Patriots. It works for the Saints. So let's all just throw the ball 50 times a game. But you have only a handful of guys who can successfully do that every year. And when you have a bunch of guys throwing the ball who just frankly aren't very good at it, it leads to some just terrible, terrible football. Like Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing six interceptions in a game early this year. And so if your overall quality of play is affected and the games are becoming less watchable, you know, is that a problem for the NFL long term? I think you're overrating how overrating is that the right word? No, I just think you're. I, I don't think quarterback play is as horrible as you say it is. Okay. Well, yeah. So I was gonna say I was kind of setting it up for like uh, Bill Barnwell wrote this article for ESPN that kind of um, addressed that as well and saying that that is a common complaint among people, but um, when you look at like Ryan Tannehill, who he gives an example, who's one of the most maligned quarterbacks in in the league. If he has can, no receivers. He doesn't have a great offensive line. And until this year, he really didn't have a great running back. Yeah, right? but it's a, even then, if you look at his, his stats of the last two seasons, as far as like his completion percentage, his interception rate, Barnwell says that he would have been, like in the 1975-76 era, somewhere around there, he would have been ranked first and second in the league with those with those stats. And nowadays he's considered he's considered garbage with with those numbers but it just shows that i, I don't i think see you, you that's what about that. i'm this i'm this is bill barnwell you know no with, i don't yeah bill but i've never i don't know how many people i've talked to who describe ryan Tannehill as absolute garbage that's no i mean he Are may you, be have average. you been on the internet have you not have you not listened to any sports talk ever i don't i don't frequent miami dolphins message boards so i mean ryan Tannehill is not someone whose name comes up nationally very much but i do not okay, think maybe, they're very happy i do not think they're very happy with him okay <laughs> I, I yeah okay but anyway so that's that's one I mean, reason just, to, to just look at it like look at the step like for example okay the league average completion percentage this year is like 63 and a half percent that would be an all-time record i believe they are averaging about 7.3 yards per attempt, which is right around the highest ever. They are averaging only two interceptions for every 100 attempts, which I believe would be an all-time low. So it's like, you know, you've got, they're completing a high percentage of their passes. They're gaining yards with those passes. They're not turning it over very much. That doesn't describe to me a population of quarterbacks who is exceedingly weak. Yeah, and I think that that was kind of the argument that he was making as well, is that... The quarterback play this year overall is as good or better than it's ever been. And any anyone that's saying like people aren't watching the NFL because of terrible quarterback play, that's just there's there's nothing that backs that up. Like there there could be a multitude of other reasons people aren't watching the NFL. Here's I have one theory. Do you want, can I share it with you? And it has to do with the passing game. So go ahead. Anytime you throw, anytime you're passing the ball, incompletion or they run out of bounds or whatever, the clock stops, right? So the clock is stopping in NFL games. With the increased passing, you have increased 
clock stoppage, which leads to increased time of play and increased uh, game times. Uh, going up to this season, I think the most recent stat I saw that the, the time of an NFL broadcast from start to finish is like at an all-time high. The games are taking more and more times. And, and so, it's, still, it's still less than college football. Is it? I, I didn't look into college football. Is a college oh, football a game co- take longer oh, yes. than a, a college NFL football game? game will take about four hours to watch beginning to end. Why is that? There's uh, more frequent clock stoppages. Every time there's a first down, they stop the clock to move the change for the, the chains. Oh, for example. yeah, that's right. That's right. I don't watch a lot of college football. Anyway, let's not get off on that tangent. But so go ahead. Anyway, so the and like the Wall Street Journal did a few years ago, where they they researched and found um, like a typical three-hour and five-minute NFL broadcast only has 11 minutes of actual gameplay and like 17 minutes of replay and then over an hour is it just is just players standing around or like huddling or waiting for the next play to start or waiting while while officials are talking over something and um, like compare that to they did a few years later comparing it to Major League Baseball where they say Major League Baseball actually has about 18 minutes of action. And even after they introduced new rules in 2015 to speed up the play, they cut it down by like 12 minutes. But then this last season, it jumped right back up to over three hours, but still shorter than an NFL game and like 20 minutes longer than an NHL game and 40 minutes longer than an NBA game. Like the NFL takes forever. And so you're going to like combat that with people who have low attention spans and distractions all over the place i think that that might contribute a little bit more to some of their uh declining ratings that along with oversaturation you know that nfl is on all the damn time every day but um so i don't know i was trying to see if there was a correlation between increasing in in passes in pass attempts and uh increases in uh game length but I don't. Maybe someone who knows more about what they're doing about finding correlation could do better than I could. It, I didn't really seem there's any direct correlation, but that was just more of a kind of a gut feeling. Do you think? Am I on to something there, or am I just making shit up? I I find passing to be more exciting than running, and so I, I would not. For me, that would never be a reason to watch less NFL. <laughs> yeah. Well, so like I said, growing up without a, a football team, like I still paid attention to the NFL, but it wasn't like you don't get passionate like I did. Like I loved the Astros and Rockets growing up. And by the time the Texans came, I was already in college and it, you know, never really found that that passion or love for them. But I do remember the team that kind of got me back into football and kind of got me interested in football. Can I guess? Uh, yes, go ahead. I'm going to guess it was the uh, the late 90s Rams. Oh, my God. That was the most exciting team to watch because, well, first of all, they had the Kurt Warner story, you know, which was just a great story of grocery bagger turned Super Bowl winning quarterback. Um, but then even more so in um, the Mike Martz years where they literally threw, they threw like a 30-yard pass every play. Like they just did not care. And even when they went to their running back, it was Marshall Falk, so he was catching passes as well. And they were just the most exciting team to watch. And they kind of like got my interest back in it. And I think 
in the same way, like the three point shot and the home run has brought excitement to um, NBA and MLB, throwing the ball like crazy, like you said, is so much more exciting than watching like the ground and pound game. It's just, it makes the NFL so much more exciting. You're not going to get an argument from me. Yeah. But so, one thing about those 99 Rams that I found interesting. So, I, I was looking into trying to find out. Does passing more or passing better actually equate to wins or Super Bowl championships, which is the ultimate goal, right? So the 1999 Rams were the last team to win the Super Bowl while leading the league in passing yards per game. There hasn't been, even with all of the increases in passing and uh, quarterbacks who are just throwing the ball like crazy, the last team to be the number one ranked passing offense based on passing yards per game to win the Super Bowl was the 1999 Rams. It hasn't happened since then. And so I looked through and was trying to find out, like, is, it, is there any other correlation? Like, or trying to find out, like, well, if basically what I got the question I was asking, like, well, if it's, if it's not the passing that's winning, is it the team that stops the pass? That's winning. So I went through and all the Super Bowl champions which from 1999 till today and found that four of the top ranked defenses, as far as yards allowed per game, have won the Super Bowl in that span. Okay, but that's not the same one. thing. Yards allowed per game or passing yards allowed per game? Uh, total yards allowed per game. But then you're not game. comparing apples to oranges, right? You're comparing well, so I'm, passing I'm yards to... on offense to total yards on defense. So you're already... You're already polluting your waters here. So this you've already your study is garbage. No, I'm well, I'm not saying this is a scientific study at all, but I'm trying to find out with the increase with the increase of everyone's throwing the ball around and saying that oh, well passing passing more is better. Does it supersede the old adage that defense wins championships? Oh, well, just okay, so you're going back to the Rams. Look at the quarterbacks though who've won since then. Brady, Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, those guys are decent quarterbacks. I mean, yeah. they may not have led the league in passing yards the year they won the Super Bowl, but that's a pretty strict standard. Yeah, the like so Roethlisberger's first title, the Steelers were had the 25th ranked passing attack in the NFL. But they well, had, okay, now you got to be very careful. You're talking about defense. based on yards per game. Yeah, and if, I know that that's a that like can Roethlisberger be a flawed, was crazy efficient that year. So yeah, it can be a flawed statistic because so many teams can rack up passing yardage because they're trailing in a game by twenty, right? So they have to keep just chunking the ball. But like, I found it hard to try to make make an argument that passing the ball more led to more Super Bowl championships. That was kind of what I was trying to go for, and I was using my, admittingly, admittingly, uh, like lower understanding of statistical models and analysis, and trying to find you know any type of correlation there. But I don't. I mean, I just think for the most part, if you look back over the last say twenty years, to win a Super Bowl, you either need to have an elite starting quarterback or an elite defense. Yeah, you need and if you don't have two. one of those, you're probably not going to win. I mean, like you know, look at the Super Bowl winners: Favre, Elway, Warner, and then I just mentioned a bunch of other names before. 
I mean, these are all elite quarterbacks, right? And the teams that didn't have elite quarterbacks, so Trent Dilfer, 2000 Ravens, well, they had one of the best defenses of all time. And then two years later, you had the Bucks winning with Brad Johnson. Well, the Bucks had an incredible defense that season. So, you know, <laughs> I, I think the passing game is incredibly important. The quarterback position is incredibly important. And if you don't have a top-notch quarterback, a top-notch passing game, then you're, you know, you're, the chances of you winning aren't great unless, like I said, you have an elite defense. All right, so, all right, let's pretend we live in this crazy hypothetical world where Justin Kabatko is NFL general manager with the first pick in the, the fantasy make-believe draft where you can choose from any player pool in history. Do you still say, would you do you start your NFL draft with the best quarterback of all time over the best defense of all time? Or like if you well, could pick... Well, okay, come on. But that, that you're talking about one player versus an entire group of 11 players. That's kind of, you know... Yeah, so like, well... <laughs> so if you're assembling a team, like you're always going to pick Tom Brady over J.J. Watt, right? Because the one that one player means so much more to his team than yeah, well, when you, when the you one have the ball, he's does. touching the ball every single play when you have the ball. Yeah, but if you were if you're a betting man and you're putting some money on the games and you're looking at the matchup matchups between the best offenses and the best defenses, like recent history has shown in as far as Super Bowls are concerned. This is just Super Bowls. I didn't look at all. Um, winning percentages of every team or anything like that. But just in Super Bowl, the better defense has come out, has beaten the better offense more often than not, at least in recent memory. I'll have, I mean, I did not run the numbers. I, I really don't know. I, my guess would be that it's pretty much a coin toss whether or not you'd prefer to have an elite defense or an elite offense. Yeah, and the, just the most recent champion, of course, the the Broncos had one of the best defenses in recent memory and made it there with just complete garbage quarterback play from Peyton. Yeah, but Manning then the previous year, the Patriots also, won it with one yeah. of the greatest of all time. So I mean, you know. Yeah, and then the year before, and, and that, that was against and was against an elite Seahawks defense too. Yeah, the, an elite Seahawks defense that won the previous year with the Bet League's best defense and the twenty sixth ranked. Passing offense. Okay, but yeah, again, you're going by just yards. Like, I, I, are you really going to say Russell Wilson was the 26th best starting quarterback in the NFL that year? In no. 2013? Yeah, he I was mean, top ten, top ten, guaranteed top ten. Yeah, possibly but, top top six, seven. But still, you're going to say the Seahawks won that year because of Russell Wilson? I mean, they were. It was more to do with their defense probably than Wilson. But they're not winning the title without Wilson. I don't think. Yeah. You stick so an that, average quarterback behind the uh, line of scrimmage for them. I don't think they win that year. Yeah, I don't. I still. I'm looking at it right now, and I'm thinking, if I was putting a team together, would I concentrate more on having an elite, an elite quarterback, and then piece together a defense, or if I had to choose the opposite in these two extreme situations where I could have a mediocre quarterback in an elite defense i think i would go with that one every time that it's with everyone throwing the ball and everyone throwing it really well compared to the stats in history i think i'd rather concentrate on having the team that can stop the pass well rather than the team that can just pass well and not stop it 
Well, okay, so one thing we've ignored here so far, and I think we should talk about, is that the defense, things have really changed on the defensive side because of the way that they've chosen to enforce the rules. That's a good point. That's a very good point. So um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, you can't you can't touch a quarterback anymore. You can't touch a receiver. You can't put your hands on them. And so does that does does that negate the the numbers of today? Kind of like we do we we dismiss a lot of the baseball numbers from the steroid era. It's like oh well, they were juiced out of their minds. Do we say oh well these passing numbers of today they're not as impressive as what Fouts and Marino did because they did it back when you could knock the hell out of the quarterback and the receiver. I mean, just everything you've got... To me, in sports, you have to compare every player to his peers at that time. Right? So, I don't... Like, it doesn't negate, like, the greatness of Peyton Manning to me. The, the fact that, the, you know, quarterbacks are, are putting up statistics at levels that have never been seen before, that, to me, does not negate the greatness of Peyton Manning or the greatness of Tom Brady. Yeah. But it also says to me that somebody like Ryan Tannehill, who maybe is putting up stats that are similar to what Dan Fouts put up back in the 80s, Tannehill and Fouts are not equals, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't know anyone who would legitimately make that argument. Um, I guess that's the fault in just going looking at box scores only and trying to make judgments without any context like that. So do you think, is there... Do we not give enough credit to the rule changes enabling the the explosion of passing yardage? If, oh, is... the rules rules changes to me have played a very very large role in this. So you want to yeah. go through the history a little bit of what what what's happened to to, I, co- to me, in my mind to kind of cause a lot of this? I do because it seems like you're that you've done some research on this, I, and if I say no, it would be very disrespectful to the time you've put into it. Yes, and I'm your elder too, so you should respect me. I um, do. I respect so, you very much. So, 1978 is the the first major change that was made to the rules, and they significantly restricted contact beyond beyond five yards down the field, the, the illegal contact rule. And that was also the first year that offensive linemen were allowed to extend their arms and open their hands when they were blocking for pass plays. So two big rules changes that year, yeah. rule changes that year that, that really opened up the passing. I mean, before, you know, the, the defensive backs were allowed to maul the receivers basically going down the field, anywhere down the field, 20, 30, 40 yards down the field. Whereas in 78, they said, okay, no, we're going to draw a line in the sand here, five-yard illegal contact. Beyond that, it's illegal contact. Um, stayed that way for about 20 years. 1996, the NFL said, okay, you guys really aren't calling illegal contact, and we want to see you call it more often. So the NFL made a plea to the officials, or not even a plea, just it, it was a demand. We want to see more illegal contact penalties. And so that happened in 96. Then five years after that, that's when they got into what you mentioned earlier, where there was much stricter enforcement of roughing the quarterback, in particular late hits. Um and then the next year, they barred helmet-to-helmet contact with the quarterback, even after a change of possession. So you remember those plays where the quarterback would throw an interception, and then you'd see some guy on the on the uh, on the defense target the quarterback and just you know smash him. Yeah. Not allowed to do that anymore. Uh, 2004, they once again 
asked officials to reemphasize illegal contact, pass interference, and defensive holding. So they told him, we want you to look very closely at all three of those things and start calling them more often. And then 2009, you were no longer allowed to hit a defenseless receiver in the head, which, yeah, pretty good rule. Um, so, yeah, all of these rules changes were basically in favor of the passing game, in favor of the quarterback, in favor of the receiver. Nothing to help the defense at all. Yeah, yeah. So does that, but you don't think that that diminishes the accomplishments in any way? Like, you don't, like when we look back at, oh, Mark McGuire hit 61 home runs or 70 home runs, and you're like, oh, well, but that was that has an asterisk on it because it was in the steroid era, era. When you look now and say, oh, well, Drew Brees had such and such 500-yard passing games. Do you look at it and say, oh, well, that's he's doing it in an era of exploded passing yardage, so it's not as impressive? It's impressive, but it, probably not as impressive. Yeah. I mean, like, so, like, so, so, like, back when, back in the, early, you know, late, late 70s, early 80s, when Fouts was throwing all kinds of crazy passing yard numbers, um, that's definitely more impressive. What Fouts did is definitely more impressive than a guy throwing for 4,500 yards now. Yeah. It's just, it just is, right? I mean, <laughs> so would you say, is that the most, if you're trying to evaluate players or, teams or whatever you want like is it is the era in which they're playing like the most important context like you don't just look straight at their numbers or straight at their their wins or whatever without taking into account what was going on in the nfl at the time that's true for any sport i think yeah so if you had to blanket overgeneralization Okay. Very, very much an overgeneralization. The increase in passing yards, do you think is overall, has it benefited the NFL? Is it for the league's health and interest of fans and stuff? Is it, is it better for them overall? Or is it, is it in any way hurting the, the purity of the game? Which if you can read the sarcasm into, into my tone there, maybe you can see what I, what I think. But I mean, what do you think? I mean, I kind of already answered this earlier. I'm all for passing. I find passing to be much more exciting than rushing. Um, and so for me, more points equals more fun. And I'm all about wanting to have fun when I'm watching sports. Like, you know, that Sunday night game, couple weeks ago that was what a 6-6 the Seahawks and the Cardinals and you know it was kind of fun to watch just because it was such a train wreck you had these kickers missing these chip shot field goals at the end of the game trying to win it for their team so in that sense it was kind of enjoyable to watch but I'd much rather see like a 45-42 shootout that's that's to me is a lot more exciting yeah so I mean definitely so would I it's definitely much better and I think one thing I believe it was the Barnwell article I referenced earlier, but forgive me if I'm not quoting the right the right person here. But they they made the argument that with the explosion and popularity of the NFL, um, and we're more exposed to it, and like you know back in the '80s, Dan Fouts was putting up this number, all these great numbers, but not a lot of people were seeing it because they didn't have red zone and they didn't have the internet to watch every single play and every single highlight. And whereas today we are seeing every play, every amazing pass, but at the same time we're seeing every game by uh, Ryan Tannehill or teams quarterbacked by Johnny Manziel or uh, Blake Bortles, 
you know, falling apart in games this year. So you're at the it's kind of like a double-edged sword that the passing game made it more accessible and more popular for the average fan or like a fan like me who didn't grow up a diehard NFL fan but fell in love with Kurt Warner airing it out. But then as you're watching every single game, every single week, every every play, you're starting to realize, well, there's more. there are more players who can't throw the ball like Kurt Warner than there are who, who could. So... I agree with you. Overall, it's more exciting. More air it out. Like throw that damn ball every play. I'll I'll love it. But at the same time, it kind of exposes how difficult that that whole approach is. Like it, it'd be much easier for teams to just run the ball every time. But that's not sexy. That and that doesn't sell tickets and drive ratings. Unless closing question. Let's say like Dallas. Let's say Dallas wins Super Bowl this year by giving the ball to Ezekiel Elliott 30 times a game and um, they run off a couple more titles. Do, do you see it? Do you envision a swing in the other direction? Is it just a copycat league? If we see, if we see a team win by the ground and pound game, is it going to, is it going to go back to, to that offense? Or are we, is this, are we here to stay? Is the NFL going to be an air it out passing league for the near future? Unless there are significant rule changes, it's here to stay. Yeah, the rules. In my, in my opinion, the NFL is set up to be a passing league, right? Yes, I, I believe so. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, I think that's that's all we have time for for this episode. So be sure to uh, check out StatMuse.com. Ask some NFL questions on there. Hit us up on Twitter at StatMuse or Justin at a at Jacob Atko, me at at Chad J Shanks. And check out our blog at blog.statnews.com, where if you're listening to this on iTunes or Google Play or somewhere else, we're going to have some additional stats and things like that that we're going we're gonna to put from this episode. So you have to check those out, too. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Stat Stories.